Hello, you're listening to the Australian Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo and you can find us online at writerscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published and write with confidence. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. Our team is passionate about all things writing and in these podcasts, we'll be talking to best-selling authors on their craft. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Danielle Williams from the Sydney Writers' Centre in Melson's Point. Today we're talking to Kate Morton. Today we're speaking to her about her latest novel, The Secret Keeper. Hi Kate, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Tell us a bit about the latest novel. Okay, uh, the latest novel is called The Secret Keeper and it opens in 1961 with a teenage girl called Laurel who's sitting at the top of her childhood treehouse uh, while her family celebrates a birthday on the stream that runs through their farm. You know, they're having a picnic. But Laurel's 16 and the swinging 60s are about to start and although her family, you know, really gorgeous family, she's dreaming about a boy she likes and the theatre to school she wants to go to in London and this future she just can't wait to seize but before this idyllic summer's afternoon is over she will have looked through the window of the treehouse and witnessed a shocking crime something that changes absolutely everything and the rest of the book is set partly in the present uh, when Laurel is now a woman in her 60s and partly in uh, blitz time London as she tries to get to the bottom of her mother's secret past in order to find out what really happened that day and why. Now I understand that this is actually a story you've wanted to write for a long time. Yeah. Um, just tell us a bit about that. It was the, the blitz that you were fascinated by. Yeah, too, I mean I'm as a writer, I love to fill my books with things that I really love. I'm quite selfish in that respect. And two of those, uh, the, my love for the theatre and my obsession with Blitz Time London and life on the home front. And I had wanted to write about both those things for such a long time, but I think I avoided each because I was worried that because they were so important to me, I would somehow do them a disservice and, you know, with the Blitz, render it as window dressing rather than uh, conveying the real texture of what it must have been like to, to live and breathe and, and uh, exist in that time. Uh, so it took me uh, quite a while, four books in fact, before I finally felt that I, I was ready to do it. So then the process of researching it, given that it was two topics that you were so fascinated with, yeah. was that pressure still there after you'd researched it or did you constantly feel a bit nervous about using these in your story? I think I, I do a lot of research before I start and uh, I really need the world of the story to feel completely vivid and alive for me before I'm ready to, to type chapter one. So uh, with Secret Keeper, uh, once I decided I was ready to write on the Blitz, I did lots of conventional research. You know, I can't help myself. I, I buy books wherever I am. And so I read everything I could find, in particular uh, memoirs and diaries and letters so that I could really uh, hear the voices of the time. But I was fortunate because uh, in 2008 I was in London for three months and I was able to give full vent to my love for the period. So without even thinking about uh, as a writer, I went to the Imperial War Museum. I took a fantastic uh, walking tour of Blitz Time London that really brought it to life. And in fact, 
when I when it came time to write Secret Keeper, I relied on that so heavily that I, I was able to. I thanked Clive Harris who, who gave us the tour yeah. in the back of the book because he was just a wonder and he was able to point out all those parts of London that are you know living history. They're still there. The uh, black lamp posts that are bent at the top from the heat of blasts and the old ghosted shelter S's written on the side of buildings that present day people are just walking back and forth past them and not paying any attention but to me as a writer and as a person I mean that's real history and that you know all of a sudden I can picture myself and see what that might have been like in 1941. So when you're writing history and particularly um, with The Secret Keeper is it difficult to really nail that sense of place? Yeah, it is, and that's something that I uh, writers, I think, by nature, can be quite self-loathing. And uh, you know, when when you write something and you print it out and read it, and it's not as you imagined, it's suddenly it, it's clunky or wooden or thin. And as a writer, I uh, will print out every chapter as I write it. And I've heard it said that you should leave your editing hat um, off when you're writing, but I just can't. I print it all and I read it and I can't stand what I see so I, I scribble all over it and, and try and add texture and depth. I type that in, print it and it still feels thin. And I do that you know, up to 10 times per chapter because for me I need to feel that the world I'm creating is uh, vivid as, as I leave that chapter and move on to the next or else I lose faith in the project uh, quite easily. And I find that by doing that, um, I come to know so much more about the, the place and the characters too, because by trimming their dialogue, making it more natural, uh, cutting it even and inserting gestures that convey the same, I come to know them so much more uh, during the process of the first draft. Um, so those chapter drafts, do you do those before you move on to the next chapter? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> I, I really need to. I, I get a bit uh, anxious if I feel that I've left too many uh, scrappy chapters behind me. Yeah, yeah. Well, following on from that, I mean, there is, there's a lot happening in this book. It's, you know, three different time periods, very different characters, different family dynamics. But there is a real sense that you're very carefully guiding the reader through. Oh good, I'm glad. <laughs> so is there a big, a, a, a really long planning process for something like that? Yeah there, there is and uh, luckily for me I really love that part. Uh, I spend three or four months simply researching and researching around the subject and I sort of discover my storyline. You know I might have a very vague idea when I start of say the time period and the sort of uh, mystery I want it to be, perhaps what the family secret is, but then I do lots of research and by doing that, I'm able to pull out the, the threads and, and get a much clearer picture of what I actually want to write. Uh, so when I start writing, it's almost a compulsion that it's time I have to get this down. And then I, um, I always know what the ending is, even though I'm, I, I keep the freedom to change it yeah. if I come up with something better. And I know the beginning in quite uh, some depth. And some of the key scenes or uh, things I'm looking forward to writing along the way. Uh, but then throughout the ten months or so that it takes to write the first draft, I frequently have to stop and uh, remove myself from the computer unless I write you know, scene after scene that I know I'll end up cutting. And that's when I know it's time to sit down and scribble out ideas for what will happen in the next few chapters. But, but I, I enjoy that part. Yeah, yeah. So, well, interestingly, I think I saw something in an article on you um, that in your third book there was a very late twist that actually came to you very late in the writing process. Yeah, does that happen often? It, it does, and that's one of 
the exciting things about writing, I think. I mean, if you knew it all before you began, I don't think there'd be any of the excitement and thrill that um, you need to get through something that will take the better part of a year. I mean, that's the fun. And uh, frequently, I mean, with, with The Secret Keeper, I knew what I wanted the sort of twist to be, but I had no idea how I was going to affect it. And I've learned uh, over time to trust that that will come you know, while I'm working on it. And it did. And in fact, when I wrote the sort of the, the revelation um, in The Secret Keeper, I didn't even realize I'd done it as I was doing it. I typed, 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 and then I sort of went, <gasps> I just did it. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that might be it. And I read it over and went, yes, it's happened. And it's, it, it, that's a wonderful feeling. It sort of felt for me the way I hope it will feel for readers. I, I was just about to say, you must feel quite confident that readers are going to get that sense as well if you yeah, feel I, that way writing. As a writer, I definitely feel that. I mean, I, I came to writing as a reader. So for me, the, the, you can never guess what other people will enjoy, but the, the, the clearest uh, sense I have of what someone might um, uh, the experience they might have when they're reading my books is how I feel when I'm writing them. So I let that be my guiding principle. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, writing wasn't your first career choice. <laughs> um, you actually started... You were planning on a career in theatre, I believe. Well, I, I finished school and I started a law degree, which lasted six weeks before right. I decided that was definitely the wrong path for me. And uh, I'd been studying speech and drama growing up on Tambourine Mountain, just as one of those extracurricular things that, that you do as a kid. And I loved it. My teachers, uh, Herbert and Rita, were a married couple, and she'd been a repertory actress on the London stages in the 1950s and 60s. And he'd been the head of drama for Welsh BBC and was a playwright, and you know he knew Dylan Thomas and Richard Burton and people like that. So you can imagine, they were the sort of people, I met them as a 10-year-old, and they were 70 and 60, respectively. And entering their world really changed my life. Uh, I didn't realise it at the time, but I certainly looking back, mm -hmm. I do. And they ignited in me a, a love of the theatre, um, which I, I carry to this day. And as a consequence, I thank them in absolutely everything I write, because, and, and not on purpose, but because they, their influence is so great that I feel them with me you know, when, mm -hmm. when I'm writing. So, I mean... Just by the fact you've sold over seven million books, which is an astounding <laughs> figure, um, and just in, in just six years, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's not like you just kind of walked into this. Um, what was the most challenging thing about sticking with writing and and keep and pushing until you got published? I guess uh, the. I wrote two manuscripts before I was... My third is the one that was picked up for publication. And um, I suppose... I, I, it, I can understand why people stop, but for me it was never an option because I just loved writing the moment I started. And I couldn't have given it up if, if I'd tried. Uh, in, in fact, when I started my third manuscript, which became The Shifting Fog, I really was convinced that I would never... I'd come to Pete's, uh, come to terms with the fact that I would never be a published writer, and that was okay. I'd just had my first son, uh, and I felt completely you know, at the other end of the spectrum from the, the world of publishing as I saw it. So I um, felt very freed by that in retrospect, and I put everything I love into the manuscript and was able to write something that felt completely different to my first two attempts when I really was writing with the publication right. in mind. 
So that, I mean, that, that was difficult. And of course, to get the news that your manuscript's been shown to everybody and nobody wants it is extremely upsetting and depressing. But if you love writing, the new ideas come and, and the joy really should be in the process. Does that, um, you mentioned having the freedom with the yeah. third manuscript when you weren't looking at publication. Yeah. But then, of course, the second and third and fourth, they're all, you know, the deadlines and yes. you have a publishing deal and that sort of thing. Has that changed how you think about the process? Are you, are you stricter with yourself when, mm. you, when you sit down to start a project? It hasn't changed my process because I, I was always quite... Um, determined I guess to write every day because I feel if you don't you fall out of the world of the book uh, so I like to write um, obviously not every Sunday I don't sit down and write for hours you know I have kids so I you know have busy family life too but I try and write um, very regularly and every weekday and but I always did that and it's not something I have to force myself to do because I start to feel a kind of antsy if I'm not writing you know it's like it's like this other world constantly going on in the back of my mind that I'm I'm neglecting. And I think when you're a writer, you sign up for a lifetime of distraction. You know, there's always this made-up world that that you're thinking about while you're going about, you know, your everyday life. So, are you planning on a fifth novel? Uh, the ideas are already starting to form. <laughs> they are, and I have the notebook at the end of each um, book. The, the sort of process at the end of the, the first draft and the editing. It's like this huge snowball, and and you know, it's very emotional and and you know, I, I find that I can I write you know the last three chapters in a single day because the story's just coming together and you can't stop and it's really an exhilarating time, but it's really wearing as well. And every time I think, okay, I'm going to have a break after this, I'll just have a little break. But guaranteed, the day after I mail off a, a manuscript, I find myself sort of next day kicking about the stationary aisles looking for the notebook for the next one yeah. because you know the ideas come and it's like I said I feel sort of bereft if I'm not working on on something yeah. and so I had the ideas for book number five as it's creatively named at the moment before I even started Secret Keeper so it's sort of nice to be able to um you know, go back to that notebook and, and start scribbling away. Mm. So I'll spend the Christmas holidays uh, reading uh, research about yeah. Victorian London. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I think that's a topic fairly close to your heart. It your is. Your PhD was on Victorian literature. Yeah, and as, as a period, I just love it because so much of um, the, the, the skeletal frame of our present-day world was being constructed then whether it's mm. scientific discoveries or medical or people's ideas about religion, uh, physical buildings and, you know, I mean, the, the London Underground was being built at the time and we still use these technologies and we still use these uh, buildings and, you know, we're still debating the same scientific issues and I find that really exciting. Mm. It does sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one final question. Yeah. Uh, what's your advice to new writers? Uh, my best advice is, you know, people always say write what you know, but I think you should write what you love because you can always research the, the bits and pieces that you don't know. And I think it's such, I mean, you spend such a long time with, with 
the book, the, the, the world that you're trying to uh, create and breathe life into, that you have to love what you're doing and you have to love the story you're telling and the time and place it's set in or else uh, you won't be able to convey that to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent advice. Oh, thank thanks. you very much for speaking to us today and that's good luck pleasure. with the rest of the book tour. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to the team from the Australian Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online at writerscentre.com.au and discover details about our courses, seminars and popular online learning programs where we help students from all over the world. I'm author of the book Power Stories, the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. And you can find out more on my personal website, ValerieKoo.com. That's Valerie, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.